Pastor asked me to read today's passage, and I told her, oh, I can definitely read the passage. And she mentioned that I wouldn't just be reading, but that we're co-creating the sermon together. Um, and that's um, kind of a posture that I'm learning by being part of our church familia, is truly trusting that the spirit is uh, moving and that we're co-creating. Um, and this passage is really um, a really significant one in my own faith journey. Um, it's not one that I would expect because it's one that I have, I'm very familiar with. Um, but this week, my, the Lord used this passage to bridge a conversation with my cousin who, has, who wants nothing to do with um, faith, um, wants nothing to do with reading the scriptures. Um, but the spirit was moving um, and he had a phrase stuck in his head that is a phrase that I'm well familiar with from this passage. And it was kind of prompting. And I asked him if he wanted to read scripture that came from the, the phrase that's in his head. And he said yes. And so I don't know where that's going to go. But I told, I've texted Pastora and as and Pastor Bobby just kind of asking for their prayer. And I didn't know that she was in this passage for this week. And I was like, Lord, you are doing something. And I'm, I, yeah, I pray that we um, would sense that he sees us and watches us, but um, this is a reading from Genesis chapter 16, verse 6 through 17. But Abram said to Sarai, your slave girl is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she ran away from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave girl of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am running away from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will so greatly multiply your offspring that they cannot be counted for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Now you have conceived and shall bear a son. You shall call him Ishmael, for the Lord has given heed to your affection, affliction. He shall be a wild ass of a man with his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall live at odds with all of his kin. So she named the Lord who spoke to her. First time I think a woman named Lord. You are el Rai. For she said, have I really seen God and remained alive after seeing him? Therefore, the well was called ber Rai. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram is 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. This is the word of the Lord. Buenas tardes, church. 
Gracias, Melika, for the reading of God's word. Let me pray for us. God, our father and God, our mother, God of Abraham, God of Isaac and God of Jacob, God of Sarah and Hagar, God of Rachel and Leah and Rebecca. We have welcomed you in this place already, God, and we thank you that you see us and you hear us. Holy Spirit, I invite you to be the teacher in this place. I am not the teacher tonight. So open our eyes that we might see you and we might hear you, that we will be fully present to you, God, present to ourselves and our story, and present to each other. Jesus, I ask that you would help me with this story. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, God, for you are my rock, as Serena said to us today. You are my refuge. You are my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. If you will open your Bibles to Genesis or your Bibles app, to Genesis chapter 16, verses 6b through 17, where Melka just read. And I want to tell you a little bit of the backstory of the little telenovela that's going on behind this story before we get to Hagar. The backstory to this story is that God has promised Abram to make him a great nation and give him a lot of descendants and that through his descendants, all the peoples of the world will be blessed. Pastor Bobby preached on this. I believe it was in, Gen in Genesis, in January, and it was in Genesis too. And so they've waited a decade. They've waited a decade, Sarah and Abram, and there is no child yet. This story, though, also needs to be seen in light of the curse of Genesis 3. If you have not listened to my sermon, uh, shameless plug here, on Genesis 3, the curse is not a blessing, I recommend that you go back and listen to it in Genesis because every broken story and every act of brokenness in the Old Testament and the New Testament is due to that curse, including today's. So in light of Genesis 3, uh, over and over we hear the echoes of the serpent's voice. Did God really say to you that you would have a lot of descendants? Over and over again in the stories of, of the Bible and in your story again, did God really say he would do such a thing? So then humans take matters into their own hands at best. And at worst, what we see here is a dysfunctional family where Sarah takes her maidservant, gives her to Abram in hopes to use her body as a surrogate mother to receive an heir. And just because something is a cultural tradition doesn't mean it was a divine instructive. And I cannot, thank you, Doug. <laughs> and I cannot and won't sanitize this story for you. And in this church, y'all know that we don't sanitize the Bible stories. It's a broken story in light of Genesis 3, right? Where humans take matters in their own hands and get ahead and say, I'm going to get my promise on my own terms, in my own way, at the time that I want it, when I want it, how I want it. If you can't say amen, you can say ouch. <laughs> We don't have the Zoom chat going today, but let me tell you, this is a church where we talk back to the preacher. Otherwise, I'm not sure if you're here with me. 
<laughs> so go ahead, uh, render your amens to, to the Lord. So Hagar is in a subservient position. Um, she is enslaved, and nobody asked her if she wanted to be part of this plan. And this probably, not only was she not asked if she was part of this, wanted to be part of this plan, it was probably against her own will. And this is tragic. Genesis 3, the curse. And Sarah, a human, exercises patriarchal, patriarchal hierarchy over Hagar. And traditionally, Hagar, if she had had a child, which she did, traditionally what would have happened is she would have given over her child to Sarah. So the story is broken and we cannot sanitize it. But here is where the story finds Hagar, whose name means the foreign one, like extranjera in Spanish. Uh, she is pregnant, Sarah mistreats her, and Hagar, in an act of her own agency, flees to the wilderness, a wilderness not of her own doing. Because she is in a hierarchical position in the household where she doesn't have power except to obey. But here, she does have power to flee. And in an act of agency, she flees. And this is the first banishment of Hagar. The first banishment of Hagar, we find it in Genesis 16, verse 7. And in verse 7, it says that, well, 6b says, Sarai dealt harshly with Hagar, and she ran away from her mistress. The angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to shore, and he said, Agar, slave girl of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. So the angel of the Lord, there it says in verse 7, he, he, God earnestly seeks Hagar, earnestly goes after Hagar, goes and looks for her. She didn't call out to God, but God called out and said, I'm coming down to where you are in your wilderness and asks a very Captain Obvious question that I always say, like, like God doesn't already know the answer to this question. Where have you come from and where are you going? Of course, thank you, thank you, Glenda. God knows, God knows. But the angel of the Lord, God gives her voice back to Hagar. She hasn't talked just yet. Nobody asked her anything. She hasn't said, yes, no, I can't. Catch me next year. The angel gives her her voice back and lets Hagar tell her own story on her own terms in an act of dignity, an act of compassion, and an act of care. These questions, where have you come from? And where are you going? They involve her story. They involve her identity. They involve her lived reality and her calling. Nicola on Ash Wednesday invited us to come away into the desert. Y'all remember she was referring to the poem that we read from God Speaks Through Wounds. And she said, God finds us and seeks us in that desert place. The desert places of our own doing and the desert places of somebody else's doing. And seeks us in that in-between space of not knowing where we have come from, what has happened to us, or where we may be going. God is often and is doing so tonight going to invite you to go back to where you have come from in your own story. God is always inviting me to revisit 
the familiar parts of my story time and time again. Three rounds of therapy, and right now I meet with a spiritual director every month, and time and time again, there's nothing new under the sun. I go back to the same things over and over to revisit my familiar stories and reimagine a different story. Because we have memories connected to me that have meaning, and we have memories that have sent us messages about ourselves. So I invite you to revisit your story and take these questions from the angel given to Hagar in your own story. Where have you come from? Where are you going? God not only seeks her, but speaks to her. She's there in the desert of her despair. And what is an enslaved pregnant woman going to do in the desert? No money, no bread, no wineskin, no nothing. Often we find ourselves in the deserts of our own doing, like I said, but in this case, it's the desert of someone else's doing. Hagar becomes a desert mother. Hagar is a desert mother of those of us who have had to flee home because home wasn't safe. Our families of origin, our origin stories. Hagar is a desert mother of those who have had to leave communities, including faith communities that weren't safe. Hagar is a desert mother of those who have had to flee countries as refugees because their country wasn't safe. Places of work, like Serena testified to this evening, that wasn't safe. And on and on it goes. Hagar is a desert mother that understands your story. But then we see God be the active agent in her story. God is an active agent in her story when God goes to find her and then sees her and then speaks to her. In verses 9 through 13, it says, the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will so greatly multiply your offspring that they cannot be counted for multitude. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Am I talking to somebody this evening? And the angel of the Lord said to her, now you have conceived and you shall bear a son and you shall call him Ishmael, Ismael, for the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He shall be called a wild ass of a man. Didn't know I would be saying that word tonight in church. <laughs> With his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall live at odds with all his kin. So she named the Lord who spoke to her, you are, you are El Roy. God not only sees her, but seeks her. Not God not only seeks her, but speaks a blessing over her. And in this story, we have a lot of firsts going on. The first child named by an angel. There's only been four children in all of scripture named by an angel. Ishmael, Isaac, John the Baptist, and Jesus. The first ultrasound in scripture, you're going to have a son. <laughs> the first recorded revelation of an, the angel of the Lord, who many, uh, many scholars believe was a pre-incarnate Jesus. Okay, come on, somebody. Uh, the first recorded revelation of the angel of the Lord, and the first time anyone directly addresses her as a human, yes. as a person with a voice and a story and a will. 
God speaks presence and promise to Ishmael. And names are important. And who names and for what purpose is important. Ishmael means God hears. God's ears are attentive to your cries, Hagar, and God's ears are attentive to your affliction, Hagar, and God's ears are attentive to yours tonight as well. God hears Ishmael. And not only God names this child, like you don't get another, you don't get that little book that says 500 names for children. God names her son. God names Ishmael. And now Hagar names God. What a beautiful conversation here. They're both active agents in their own liberation. The first and only recorded person, recorded person to name God. The first woman to name God. The first foreigner to name God. Verse 13, amen, whoever is snapping. So she names the Lord who spoke to her, you are Elroy, for she said, have I really seen God and remained alive after seeing him? Therefore, the well was called was called Lahai Roy, and it lies between Kadesh and Bered, and it means the well of the living one who sees me. Amen. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son not whatever he wanted, but whatever God wanted, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 when Hagar bore him, Ishmael. Before there was ever a tabernacle in the desert, before the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, before there was a tent of meeting after the exodus, she became the meeting place and the naming place of God. A tent of seeing and being seen, a tent of naming and being named. Her story bears the witness of a God who sees. And Hagar becomes a sign for the marginalized yesterday, today, and tomorrow that God hears, that heaven hears. And if we want to see God, if you're wondering, where is God right now? Look for the people in the margins. Look for the people who are migrating. Look for the people who are fleeing. Look for the people who are on the move because that's where the spirit of God is on the move. And in this church, this is why we say the margins are our middle. Pastor Bobby mentioned that earlier. Or maybe it was in a social media post this week. I love the power and the mutuality of naming here. God names Ishmael. Write this down. Ishmael means God hears. A name that is pregnant with promise and purpose, as is yours. No matter the circumstances of your birth, Okay, no matter the circumstances of your birth and who named you what and who said what, and maybe there was dysfunction in our families, what family is not functional or is functional? God names Ishmael, God hears a name that has got promise and purpose. And then Hagar names God, God sees. So we find an aspect of God and we find the character of God, of a God who hears and a God who sees. In that name, you can take it to God in prayer and say, God, 
You are the one who sees. You have power to see my situation. You have power to show me your presence in this place. Where are you, God? Have you forsaken me? Did you remove your hand of protection from me on that day or on this day? What is my situation? We pray in Jesus' name over uh, Serena's uh, trial or court date, even right now, that your presence will be with her. Amen. God goes before. Thank you, Glendar. Melaka told me this week, uh, God doesn't take his eyes off of you. The God who sees, the God who is Elroy doesn't take his eyes off of you. Amen. God doesn't take his eyes off of you. I'm going to jump to chapter 21, verses 13 through 17 through 20. We don't have the verses up there. I just want to tell you the story and paraphrase it because there's a second banishment. So Hagar tells God, you are the God who sees me. Uh, Hagar returns to the household. I have questions for God. I have questions for God about why she had to return to this household that had mistreated her. Maybe, maybe God was hoping that Hagar would be treated right. But God um, sends her back and says, submit to your mistress, go back. And that's a difficult situation. And God, um, we see this part of the story here in chapter 21, verse 13. Uh, Isaac is born. By this time, God has visited Sarah as he had promised, as God had promised. Sarah uh, bears a son, Isaac. Then there's, you know, the dysfunctional family again. Sarah doesn't want Ishmael to partake in the inheritance. And so Hagar is banished a second time. The first time Hagar leaves on her own will, the second time she is banished and she is sent to this wilderness. So in the second banishment, chapter 21, verse 13, uh, God um, reaffirms God's promises to Abraham about Ishmael. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also because he is your offspring. And actually he got circumcised a few chapters before. Circumcision is an act of uh, as an identity marker, as an act of covenant. And so God's covenant is with Ishmael as well. So Abram rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water, gave it to Hagar, put it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. You could put the picture up there, Rob, of what Ishmael might have looked like and what Isaac might have looked like. This was the age difference between them. He might have been 16-ish and Isaac might have been three. And so they go into the desert this time forever. They're sent away not to return. They're weeping. Her weeping is her praying. Ishmael is weeping. The weeping is his praying as well. And weeping is praying without words. We, had, we heard some of those words in the worship that Liz and Joel led us in today. When the water in the skin was gone, Hagar cast the child under one of the bushes and she went and sat down opposite him a good way off about the distance of a bow shot for she said, don't let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. Verse 17, and God heard the voice of the boy. Because remember his name means God hears. So God is being uh, t 
to his name, he's being uh, rem remembering God's own name and God's own character in that name. I named you that God hears. I'm going to promise you that I hear you. God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come lift up the boy and, and hold him fast with your hand for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went, filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy. He grew up, he lived in the wilderness, became an expert with the, with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So God reaffirms God's promises to Ishmael a third time. First to Hagar, then to Abram, and now again to Hagar again. God is true to God's character and to this God-given name which says God hears. The God who sees is the God who hears. And the God who hears is also the God who heals. And as much as there is generational trauma in this story, there's also generational healing happening in real time in this story. Two banishments, right? God sees Hagar and God hears Hagar. Second banishment, God hears Ishmael and God speaks reaffirmation of blessings to Ishmael. God's presence and God's promises are steadfast and they are from generation to generation. They're not just for Hagar, also for Ishmael. And God fulfills all of God's promises to her. And she receives her inheritance. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 12, we see the whole list of all of his descendants. You can see the names of all of the descendants of Ishmael. They're there, 12 princes, 12 tribes. They have land. They have a place to live and be who they are, their full authentic selves. They are there. The Ishmaelites also are mentioned in Psalm 83, verses 6 and 7. Hagar is called the mother of the Hagarites, and the Ishmaelites are there praising God. There's a heavenly vision in Isaiah 60. It's a prophetic vision that we haven't seen yet, but by faith we're going to see. There's a vision of heaven that includes camels and tents of the Ishmaelites bringing their offerings and their praise into the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city. God fulfills God's own promises to Hagar and to Ishmael. The God who hears is a God who sees and is a God who heals. Hagar is not only a desert mother of the faith, but she's also a bondage breaker and an intergenerational healer. She's a freedom daughter. She doesn't say this, but this is what I see in her. She says, you know what? The trauma ends with me, and the healing also begins with me. The trauma ends with her, and the healing begins with her and her descendants, even in this desert place. Have I seen the God who sees me and still live? A God who bears life. Hagar is a desert mother and also a sign. 
before there was even an Exodus story, she had her own little Exodus and her own little exile where she says, I see the God who sees me. So Hagar to me is a mother of the faith. Hagar becomes the mother of Harriet Tubman who freed herself and many other enslaved siblings through the Underground Railroad. Hagar becomes the mother of Yuri Kochiyama who advocated for reparations for Japanese Americans held in concentration camps. Hagar becomes the mother of Joanne Robinson, who was the architect of the Montgomery bus boycott that took nine years to organize to end bus segregation. Hagar becomes the mother of Dolores Huerta, who labored for farm workers' rights. Hagar becomes the mother of Mabel Pinkwali, one of the first Chinese women in the U.S. to get a doctorate. Thank you, uh, Christy Chia, for t uh, telling me about her. She fought for women's rights and became a minister of a Chinese Baptist church in New York City, Chinatown. Hagar becomes the mother of Dr. Dorothy Ligo Cordova, founder of the Filipino-American National Historic Society, who began organizing and advocating for the Filipino-American community in the 1950s and continues this work till today. Hagar is a mother of our faith as well. And God doesn't condemn but commend yeah. Hagar for seeing God and God seeing her and her descendants. All these women are pointing back to the God of her story, the God of his story, the God of your story, the God of our story, and the God of history, where we find both lamentation and celebration. The God who loves you with an everlasting love who doesn't take his eyes off of you, who says, I am right here and I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going anywhere. And I seek after you with an undying love. That is the God that we serve. The God of Hagar, the God of Sarah, the God of Abram, the God of history is here with us and is here with you. You are seen, you are seen, and you are seen by this kind and steadfast love of God. Let me pray. Amen. Señor y Padre Celestial, te damos gracias por este tiempo. Te damos gracias que tú eres el Dios que nos ve, el Dios que me ve. And God, we call out to your name, the God who sees me, the God who sees her, the God who sees him, the God who sees us. And so God, be with every sibling and every brother and every sister tonight in this place that's hearing the sound of my voice, that we may declare to you that you are the God who sees us in our chaos and in our desert places and in our crises. You have, have not left us, you have not abandoned us, and you will never abandon us. Your promises are faithful. Your name is faithful. And you will remain faithful to your name even when others have been unfaithful, including ourselves being unfaithful to you, God. And so we call out to your name. Thank you for this time. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen.